Hi, I'm Katie Caps, co-founder and co-CEO of Hired Dose. Welcome to Hot Seat with Shannon Vaughn of Pure Soma. Shannon, is it hot enough for you? Oof, it's about 120 degrees and we're gonna get up to about 175. So I'm looking forward to this. What was your first job? Very first job, hold on, let me think. My very first job was from a restaurateur in New York who hired me to teach Japanese tourists in his restaurant how to eat Maryland crabs. Oh, that's yes. specific. Yeah. Okay. That was okay. my first real paying job. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. What is one public figure that you'd like to have dinner with? I think I'd really like to have dinner with Vladimir Putin because <laughs> he's such a topic of conversation always. Like as an American, we've always had this kind of outspoken disdain for Russia. I have so many Russian friends that have fled their country because of the oppression yet they are such deeply emotional people that still, even with the oppression, have this connection to what they call motherland. Yeah. And I find that to be such a conflict where you can hate the way your country was run and, and run away from it, and yet still have this deep connection to your mother country. And I'm so curious as to how a, a leader like Putin can be deeply hated by so many people, but then there's this underlying love and appreciation for what he did in certain parts of the country. I think that'd be very curious to have a conversation with him. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Good answer. What's uh, one year you'd like to repeat again and why? Oh, that's a good question. You know what? I would like to repeat a really shitty year and I'm going to tell you why. 2019 was a really hard year for me. My, my father died unexpectedly, just pancreatic cancer, diagnosed on a Sunday, died on a four days later. Oh, wow. And then I had um, a major upheaval in one area of my business that was very upsetting. It was kind of something that happened out of our control. And then I had a situation where my, my house was robbed afterwards. And so it was like three sequential really high stress things because when we were robbed, there was some identity theft and so we were quite compromised. You know, I think about at the end of that third event, I went to the, the eye doctor because I was losing my vision, my right eye. Oh my gosh. And I got off the airplane and I had this like twitch when I was driving and, and then I couldn't see the dashboard. I was like, something is, how am I all of a sudden, like I can't see. Yeah. So I went to the eye doctor and he's like, well, it's your age. And uh, I was like, no, um, I'm not losing vision in one eye and twitching because I'm old. Right. Um, it's because of stress. And I said, look, you can give me the prescription for glasses, but I can pretty much guarantee you that if I do intense meditation and I start taking some supplements that I will restore my vision back to, to normal. And it took about six weeks. And so the reason why I say I'd like to repeat that year, which sounds so bizarre that I would want to repeat that kind of stressful event. One, when you lose a parent, if you were able to actually repeat that time frame where someone was passing, there are certain things that I think you would sit with while that was happening mm -hmm. that you're just not prepared for. And then the other two events, I think that, you know, once I read this writer said, you know, it's not the experience, it's your experience of the experience. So it's how you remember experiencing something. And so I would say that all of those events were high stress mm -hmm. to the point where I almost lost my vision. And if I could go back and repeat those things, I would have 
not even knowing, I would have a more of a awareness in order to kind of sit with each one and know that it too shall pass and that I could approach each one of those stressful events with maybe not the physical and negative impact that it mm. took on my body. Wow, what a lesson. So, yeah. What's your top digital detox vacation spot? I have two. Can I have two? Yeah, go okay. for it. One would be um, Shivananda Ashram, which is strategically placed um, right on Paradise Island in the Bahamas. And I love it. I mean, they do have Wi-Fi, but you become very disconnected after you arrive in that space for after two days because it really does function as, a, as an authentic ashram experience. And then the second one is a new one I discovered this year, which is in Desert Hot Springs, which has an abundance of natural mineral springs. And they offer a self-guided cleanse, and it sits just at the base of this mountain called Miracle Mountain. Mm. And it's just a really special place that has a very strong magnetic energy where you just feel like you're pulled towards the ground and pulled towards these hot springs. So I would say those are my two top digital detoxes. Okay, I'm sold. I'm booking a trip for sure. Yeah, those are good spots. And what's one thing that you're proud of this year? I took a trip with my daughter who's seven and it was the first time we'd taken a one-on-one trip where there was no other parent present, there was no family caregiver, no one was with us. And she wanted to go to Disney, which gave me hives immediately from thinking about Disney World and (laughs) primarily because of lines. I I just can't handle a line. And so I was like, we're going to go on a Disney cruise. Yeah. And I'm really proud of myself that I went on a Disney cruise and I actually liked it. You know, Disney is masterful in creating an experience that a child finds magic. And what was what was interesting about that environment is because she was still young enough to really believe the make-believe. She really bought into the magic. Mm-hmm. And by her buying into the magic as her parent, I bought into it. Yeah. Into her watching her have that experience. Yeah. So I'm really proud of myself that I took a Disney trip. That's so sweet. All right. So we're going to dive a little deeper, get to know you even more. So you've been quoted to say that I've been raised by wolves. <laughs> Can you please explain what this means? Yes. Um, so you know what a wolf pack looks like, right? It's like everybody is kind of like in there together in the den. It's kind of scrappy and rough. But, you know, a den mother is, is pretty fierce, right? I was raised in this environment that was maybe not as kind of calm and organize the way maybe other households would be. Mm-hmm. But there was still a tremendous amount of intense, fierce love yeah. that I got from both of my parents, very different people, but independently. So I can say that I wasn't raised without emotion. Mm. And I think that that might be where I get that den wolf analogy. The Hot Seat is sponsored by Edge Theory Labs, which is a cold plunge company that does portable cold plunging, which I love because we literally pop them up in our spa locations, pop them down. You don't need plumbing. It's super easy. Yeah, it's so user friendly and there's such a wide range of temperatures, which I think is one of the coolest things about it. It goes as cold as 37 degrees or as hot as 104 if you feel like having a hot tub after your cold plunge, which we always do. (laughs) So check out the website and use code HIREDOSE15 for 15% off. And they're really cool looking too. You guys got to check it out at the hot seat. So you studied at St. John's College, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think your degree was philosophy and ancient mathematics. Mm -hmm. 
which is very interesting dual major. When you when you studied that, like, what were you thinking you were going to do with your career? Nothing. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, you're like, I just study ancient math for fun. <laughs> the Pythagorean theorem. Okay. No, there, yeah. I, I'm joking, but that's kind of true. Um, so prior to that, I'd kind of had everything stripped away from me. Okay. I'd been divorced. I'd been in a country that blew up. I'd had PTSD, a lot of trauma, um, this before the health issues. And what I learned is that when you're kind of do not have your material things, money, clothes, car, house, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I am, you know, I'm giving you like a, a first world, if that sounds, you know, without sounding like a cliche, I'm giving you a first world version of that. I mean, many people all over the world suffer that kind of hardship all the time, every day where they lose everything. Yeah. But when you live in an environment where you are one of the only people losing everything, it gives you a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved back to the United States, it wasn't because I woke up and was like, I want to go to college. It was, I had not, I had no college education because I was a Ford model right out of high school. And I just was, I thought to myself, what is the one thing that no one can take away from me? Mm -hmm. And the only thing that occurred to me and that resonated with me was education. Mm -hmm. And I felt like if I had an education for the sake of having an education, what would that look like? I wasn't one of those people who was lucky enough to say, well, I want to be this professional or I want to do that or I want to have this career. I'm going to be a graphic designer. I'm going to be a surgeon. I didn't have any of those goals. Yeah. And so for me, it was learning for the sake of learning. Mm -hmm. And where do you go to do that? I mean, I guess you could go and get any undergrad um, bachelor's of Arts degree, mm -hmm. and it's kind of, a liberal arts education is kind of just supposed to be a well-rounded education. Yeah. St. John's takes it to a totally different level in that you have a dual degree in philosophy, and everyone's like, well, what are you going to do with a philosophy degree? Well, philosophy is the origin of the love of information and knowledge. So, you know, it is the true love of knowledge. And so if you go about as a human being and you just want to dive into philosophical thought, what you will come out with is only a deeper understanding of how to be a human being or what it means to be a human being. And I think from that point, that's why St. John's College graduates such a variety of students that either come out and they're like, I'm going to be, I'm going to have this career, or they're just like, I have filled my bucket with thought and information, and I'm not, I'm kind of outcome agnostic about what I am going to do as a career. Mm, and yeah. I wanted to be in that environment where I wanted to go and see what would happen to my brain if I just went to learn. And I was lucky enough to get a four-year scholarship. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. So that also I went and looked. St. John's didn't take any SATs. I went back to college when I was 30. Wow. Yes, I was day one on the campus, 30 years old. Like a L. Woods kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> yes, minus the fluffy pen. And um, so I went back to school and I just kind of showed up there with no agenda. It was like, I'm here to learn, I'm a sponge, give it to me. And it absolutely cratered me. Philosophical thought, is it's like deep, deep, deep therapy. I mean, it challenges you on every level, like to think about why you're here. Months spent on why are we here? And why are we here? There is no answer. <laughs> Let's just be clear. There is no answer. It's not like a mathematic equation. And so 
taking theology as a thought process and a philosophical thought versus I was brought up in this religion, so therefore I think like this. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking about religion as a philosophical thought, you know, is, is really the core of why man invented something that's immaterial and that they, they can't see. It's not tangible. And so to kind of backtrack and like, how did humans get to that is really interesting. And so that's, yeah, that's where I went to school. And, and that's why I went to school. And so the dual degree in mathematics and ancient science, ancient mathematics and sciences, you read the original text and then you write about it. And then you talk about it amongst your peers and with your professor. Um, and then you're graded privately. Um, and if you want to go into grad school, you have to go and request your grades. And so there's no kind of competition that's happening there. It's just between you and your thinking. Mm. When you get into mathematics, you get into Newtonian physics and you read Newton's treatise. And when you get into geometry, you do Euclidean geometry, um, which is, you know, the original Greek uh, mathematics and formation of geometry, how it started. So it's just a very kind of different setting in, in school. Also, no computers. Mm. You can type your documents on a computer, but there's no computers in class, nothing electronic at all. No TI-85 calculator to do the mm -mm. pi times, no. Okay. No. All rulers and stuff. Yeah, oh. yeah. Why do you think they paired philosophy and ancient math together? Do you, did you see the Cause it was happening connection? Because it was happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. They do it historically. So you start with the ancient Greeks, and in mm -hmm. the end you're studying like Kant and Freud. As human beings were evolving and, you know, they were looking up at the planets and understanding that, you know, we weren't the center of the universe, that the sun was the center of the universe, um, they were also discovering mathematics and how do we use mathematics to understand our universe mm -hmm. and understand that we are mathematic and we are measured and there's a certain amount of things in each of us that, that are all basically deduced in, in, into math and in numerical equation. So that's where that came from. Beautiful. And now, so you're, you're clearly brilliant. You're worldly. It's the heat. You, okay. It's well, the, the heat. heat. It's, it's the heat. I'm like, let me get it all out so we can get out of here. It's a good testament for infrared. Infrared's going to make you the smart people. So run out there and it, buy it. It does, it does make your brain start to work. But so I guess my question is why wellness? Like you clearly had a lot of opportunity in life. Was there something that specifically led you into wellness? Sure. Um, you know, I didn't have, I had historically a healthy home that I grew up in, but I also had a mother that had early stage cancer when I was very young and she ultimately passed away. And so I had an exposure to healthy eating, but it wasn't an induction to my teenage years of like, this is how you live in a healthy way. And then I wasn't a nutritionist or in the health field. And so that didn't really occur to me. Mm -hmm. And then I got sick. It's one of those things that affects a ton of women and it's ovarian cyst, and then it ranges from like polycystic ovary syndrome or chronic fatigue or, um, you know, chronic pain during menstrual cycle. And the the treatment was surgery and a lifetime of medication, Ooh. and and it just Rough. sounded awful. Yeah, I was introduced to a all natural kind of rogue nutritionist mm -hmm. who put me on a program that was something like I had never done before. I mean, I was never, I didn't take supplements. Okay. He had me on supplements. He, I was making all of my own green juice. I mean, I was sourcing dandelion greens Yeah. and I was in college full time and on an extremely limited budget. Wow. So this was basically like something someone should have been in a clinic to do yeah. with the right resources. And I did it myself. Right. You and were like DIY. Yes kind of detox clinic. So it was a combination of coffee enemas, colon therapy, mm. green juicing, 
hot and cold therapy, wow. detox bathing, which is how Pure Soma came about. And in 45 days, I went back to my GYN and got the ultrasound of uh -huh. my ovaries. Nothing. So, wow. I, so I had cysts that were double the size of my actual ovaries and very prevalent and very painful. And in 45 days, I remember it was right before Thanksgiving. And I was like, God, this is just amazing. My nails are white. My tongue is pink. My eyes are white. I don't have a taste for sugar or anything unhealthy. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, why did no one tell me this before? Yeah. And, and your skin's incredible. So I'm sure it's helped with and your that skin. Is, that's been a, that was never the case. I didn't walk around with like vibrant, glowing skin until I just changed my diet and lifestyle. Wow. So that really was the catalyst for starting Pure Soma. And I feel like we'd all like to get a hold of that routine. How do, how do we get that from you. I know you have blogs on your website. And yeah, so the blogs, the back of our packaging, so on the back of the Pure Soma Ritual, like the actual bath, you know, I say disconnect from technology, make your tub as hot as you can stand, mm -hmm. 106 degrees is ideal, yeah. um, and soak for 20 to 30 minutes. And, and much like in here, there is something so underrated about hot therapy mm -hmm. and then the combination of cold. So I keep a shower really close to a, an outdoor shower actually next to my sauna. And in, when I'm taking a hot bath, sometimes I'll get up and just hose off with cold water. But that hot cold therapy is just, I'm sure you can tell me all the scientific reasons why it opens the brain waves and why your heart rate goes down, even though it's going up. Mm -hmm. Like something seems, it goes down when you come out, but it goes up when you're in there. It is different than exercise. There is something that occurs. It's definitely different than exercise where I think because exercise, you're moving. Mm -hmm. So the body is communicating yep. to move. Right. Whereas in hot therapy, I often thought like, well, it must be that you're able to heat up and the body's not having to work right. physically. Right, right. So you're not powering those brain cells, like move legs, move arms. It feels like work right now though, right? It, it does, but you're sitting. Yeah. Yeah, like no, we couldn't like, you know, shovel anything. <laughs> no farm work. Yeah, no. exactly. No weeding. No, 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 no. Just no manual labor. Maybe, maybe take a sip of water, that's yeah. about it. <laughs> okay. So, and now, okay, you went through the healing journey with your ovarian cyst. And you actually became a mom, right? Mm -hmm. So I spent about a year pre-pregnancy, like really doing all the right things that you're supposed to do that no one tells you about, that you have to investigate yourself and getting the body ready for pregnancy, which uh -huh. is like getting the body ready for like, we're going to build a skyscraper. I think that's what it's like for the human body. It's so much work that's happening that you don't see. And what was that routine like? Was it similar to the detox routine? So I'd always been, a, I'd been a vegan for like a vegetarian for 16 years and a vegan for three. Mm -hmm. And I had someone work with me and she said, I really want you to have bone broth. Okay. So I started making at home bone broth, drinking it every day. Mm -hmm. um, I started taking less detoxifying herbs, doing less detoxifying things and more kind of nourishing, wholesome building yeah. things yeah. where once the baby was born, I did flip to the other side and did the detox. I right. Gotcha. Yeah. And so that was really helpful. And I had a daughter that was born on her due date. I had no sickness prior. Nice. And then she... I breastfed for a year and has, she's, you know, been really, really healthy. That's incredible. And uh, so empowering that you can like take that, you know, experience of becoming a mother into your own hands, prepare your body. Super cool. Since then, how have you balanced, you know, being a, a female founder? It's obviously stressful. It's a lot of work, like bringing something that's nothing into market and you're a mother at the same time. How do you balance that? I think you, you, you do it until 
you're like, this is not balanced. Yeah. And then you say, I have to reset. Mm -hmm. For me, when I reset, it's like, take three days, take care of my body and take care of my brain. Yeah. And go somewhere really quiet. And it doesn't have to be far luxurious or a huge cost burden to do that. Mm -hmm. And then I reset and I come back with a clear head and I say, okay, do I need to answer emails from 10 to 11 at night? Can I cancel that out? Yeah. Or can I have the early morning and could I take my daughter to school? And so it doesn't mean you don't have to fill it in somewhere else. Yeah. But I find that when you're able to do that, you're you're much more well-equipped to be more balanced. And I, I read this book called Deep Work. Mm-hmm. And deep work is really interesting, especially for someone that has ADD and struggles with, you know, sitting still and focusing on a task, one task. Yeah. And it really divides your day into saying, these are the hours where my brain is being creative and I'm thinking of new thoughts and new activities, and I'm going to write all that down. And then these are the times I'm going to do emails, which is basically like, answer, respond, answer, yeah. respond. Like, so it's easy. And so I think taking deep, the concept of deep work and implementing that into your day overall, mm-hmm. I need more focus when my daughter is, let's say I give her, give her 20 minutes to watch a cartoon. I don't need to hyper observe her, but I definitely need more focus when I'm helping her with homework. Mm. So I think that if you can find that balance with deep work and mm. focus and not focus, that's right. very helpful. Got it. And what would you say has been the biggest challenge of your entrepreneurial journey? God, there's so many. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, So the first thing I would say is that you are constantly challenged Mm -hmm. because the only real thing that you're in competition with is yourself. Yeah. I think that being an entrepreneur is, is very much a solo endeavor. I do not think that there are not tremendous people along the way that support you and help you and get on board. Mm-hmm. And the best ones are also entrepreneurs yeah. because they appreciate the struggle and mm-hmm. they can also be the absolute toughest critics mm-hmm. on you. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's important to remember like you're showing up every day to kind of challenge yourself Yeah. because if you fail, you fail like yourself. And so you have to be comfortable with the idea of success And you have to be comfortable with the idea of failure. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of success and there's a lot of failure. Yeah. And um, it's it's also, it it is a constant manic struggle. Like you could have in the course of one day, five things that are really good and 10 things that are really bad. Yeah. And then you can have a, a, a series of like great months or even great years. And then one major thing come crashing on you. If you don't have the kind of spirit of an entrepreneur, which is really like, I'm showing up here every day, regardless if no one else shows up or mm-hmm. everyone shows up. I think you, you have to have that because if you don't, I don't think that you'll be able to, to have anybody, you know, stand with you mm-hmm. and grow with you. And, and there you will lose people. You will gain people. It's going to be a constant up and down and up and down. But I think the biggest challenge of being an entrepreneur is really getting comfortable with equalizing failure with success. Because I find that when you fail, it's also an opportunity to grow and rethink some things that you did completely wrong. Yeah. And then you can reach success, but only through that model. Yeah. And so I I think that you have to be comfortable with that equilibrium. Yeah. It's like the yin and yang of it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very very much so. And 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 it's it, again, it's a solo endeavor and solo endeavors are hard. Mm-hmm. They're really hard. Yeah. I mean, even if you like, I have a business partner, obviously, but we share motivations. We still have our own motivations as an entrepreneur. So it really is like, you know, it's your own battle in a way. Yeah. 
And what advice do you have for women that are thinking of entering the startup world? So I heard one time, um, I think it was Sarah Blakely from Spanx, who I think is a tremendous entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I mean, really driven and has a great sense of humor. And, and she said that 15% of the workforce in finance is women. Two to 3% of funding goes to, to women-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a staggering number. Yeah, it's crazy. And so I think that the advice I would give is sit with yourself for a little bit and understand what are your true talents that you bring to a business. Mm -hmm. If you were to walk in a room and it wasn't your business and you had to present yourself and say, this is what I'm good at, or, or this is what I, I've proven that I'm good at. And, and then you said, what am I not good at? What, where do I struggle? And finding a partner or a team or one person or s someone that can fill those spaces where you're not good at those things. And it doesn't mean you can't learn them and challenge yourself, but things would move along a lot quicker if you had a voice there who could kind of balance you. And if, if you're lucky enough to do that, I think you'll have more, um, I don't want to say you'll have more success, but I think the road will be easier. Mm, yeah, that's really good advice, especially that being self-aware and the introspection and what am I truly good at, and, being honest with yourself. And, and, and you said something, you said you didn't ask me what is it like to be a, to want to be a, a, a a person starting a, um, a startup, I would say you said a woman. Yeah. And so I'm just going to, for a minute, say if you are a person who becomes a mother mm -hmm. and you're running a startup, I think it's really important that you understand that you will need help. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from my position, I never had a day, I mean, other than some just key adopted family members that really loved my child, but I never had days where, where um, my daughter wasn't cared for without paying for that that service and so that's really tough yeah so going into something that you really believe in that's going to have a lot of ups and downs and having the responsibility of being a parent can be really ripping at your soul sometimes so it's really important to have people that will help you mm, makes sense yeah definitely makes sense what's something that you're excited about that's going to be happening in the next six months I'm excited that people are starting to understand how important it is to take care of yourself at home mm -hmm. and that we can fall into that category. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really excited that it's, it's sometimes it's hard to be early. And when you're in a game where everybody's playing it and it doesn't mean that it doesn't breed more competition or it's not more challenging or as challenging, I think it's really exciting to be in something where there's more people in the space that are adapting to that mentality. And mm -hmm. I think that people are really starting to see the benefit of taking care of themselves in a home setting. Yeah. And you're really, you're democratizing that, like the ability to bring self-care into people's homes. You've got a bunch of retail launches coming up, right? Yes. And so I think the expansion that we're currently doing at Target and being able to offer to that people at value pricing through a scalable model is really important. I think that if people are able to get that at a, at a price point and an accessible messaging that they can understand, you know, it's a, it's a health hack that can be done inside anybody's home. And kind of the, the family bathing ritual, not together, but, you know, kind of each person kind of finding their decompression time in that space is just immeasurable. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, there's options out there in the mass market that are like Epsom salts that are created in factories. They're synthetic, like all of your mineral salts come from nature. Why is that important? Just real simple. You're laying in the bath, water and heat opens your pores, 
we think about chemicals in our beauty products and sunscreen, but really the absorption happens way quicker if you have all your pores open and you're in the tub. Mm. And so having trace minerals absorb into the skin, high levels of magnesium, which I know you guys work with a lot of the magnesium, um, and, and push that kind of messaging, which is so important. High levels of trace minerals going into the body at high temperatures is not only very calming and soothing to the body, but also super beneficial to the skin. Mm -hmm. So if I were to bathe in kind of a generic Epsom salt or something that's filled with fragrance, there is an irritation that happens to my skin and to my child's skin. And it doesn't have to be like that. You know, mm -hmm. salt is a very natural product. Scenting can be a very natural process. And I think if you're able to bathe in a better bath and take a better bath, we really think that we have the best bath ever. Yeah, I can attest to that. I'm totally addicted. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this has been amazing. Um, are there any like sauna tips you have for people? I know you love infrared. What yes. do you do in the sauna? Dry brush in the beginning, for sure. It's like the ultimate time to dry brush. One minute into the sauna, your skin gets soft before it sweats and you're still dry. I drink a liter of water minimum in the sauna. Okay. And then I use a cold washcloth to keep mm. cooling off my face mm -hmm. the entire time I'm in there, which allows me to stay in longer. Yeah. I believe this exfoliation with the washcloth that you use while you're in the sauna, to me, by the time I cool off or shower, whatever I'm gonna do, and I put a skin cream on, my skin is amazing. Mm. And amazing. she has amazing skin. So you heard the secrets. <sighs> Dry brush, drink a liter of water, use a cold towel so you can stay in longer and sleep sleep and then you'll come out looking gorgeous like shannon it's a sleep for sure <laughs> okay we are out yeah